Today, we are going to look at an interesting um, scripture in John, really John chapter 9, verses 1 to 14. Uh, we're not going to put that up yet, the scripture yet. There's a, that's not the one that I'm uh, going to focus on. But I'm going to talk about John chapter uh, 9, verses 1 to 41. And it's about, about the blind man. He was blind from birth. And Jesus comes along and heals him. Now, before all this, in the previous chapters, the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, were, they, they were questioning Jesus on a whole bunch of things, all sorts of stuff, trying to slip him up, trying to make him feel, uh, or trying to trick him into doing something so that they could you know, do, have their way with whatever they wanted to do with him. And so as Jesus is walking along, he meets this blind man from birth and heals him, bends down, and you've probably heard the story where he bends down, makes, makes a, uh, a mud, he spits in it, makes a mud concoction, sticks it on his eyes, says, go wash in this pool, and then you'll see, and boom, he's healed. So then he's going back to his friends, and as, he, as this blind man who was a beggar goes back to his friends, they're all like, you know, what, who is this guy? Others are saying, no, I'm pretty sure that was the blind man, and then others say, no, that's not possible, he couldn't see. Who did this? Now, prior to this, as the disciples and Jesus are walking along, they see this, and the disciples ask, who sinned? Who did something wrong that this man is blind? Now, we all know that that's not how it works, but they didn't. They wanted to know it. Back in those days, they believed that if something bad happened to you, it's because you sinned, you've done something wrong, so God is punishing this person, right? And in the Old Testament, they talk about the Scripture's where they say that you will, you know, previous generations and, 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 and future generations will be, will be impacted by the sin of you. So your future generations will be impacted by your, by your sin. And so they took that scripture and they made it seem like this man was being punished for someone else's sin. Okay? Now, understand that that scripture that I'm talking about in the Old Testament was meaning that if you do something, yes, it will impact future generations, okay? So if, if you have an affair, if there's a divorce, if you commit murder, if you don't, it, it impacts future generations. That's really what that scripture meant. So the disciples are going, Jesus, tell us, like, why? Who sinned? Who did something wrong? So you can understand their logic, right? It's not that they're just really clueless. It's that they knew the scriptures but didn't fully understand them. They hadn't clicked. It hadn't clicked in. So Jesus heals him, kneads this mud, puts it on his eyes, he gets healed. He goes back, the friends don't, they're like, who, what's going on here? So they take him to who? The, 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 um, the Pharisees, takes him to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are questioning what happened, what's going on, like why, how are you healed, who did this, what's going on? And he's like, look, I don't know anything about but all I know is this guy spit in some mud, put it on my eyes, and I can see, so he's got to be something. He's got to be important, right? So, they, they drill him a little bit. He leaves. Then he goes, gets brought back because they're very, they're very passionate about trying to find something that Jesus did. Asked what he did. And so the story goes that they asked. He said what he did. He spit in the mud. This is what happened. I washed. There we go. So we're at that point in the story where Jesus is like, look, you, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. This man was blind. You're missing the point. And I think in our own lives that happens. But Christ in this scripture, he reveals himself as the light of the world, the one to bring spiritual sight to a blind world, to a world that can't see spiritual things. He's here 
to show it. And because we are to be like Jesus, those who are healed of this spiritual blindness should exemplify compassion and hope for those that are still stuck in the darkness, for those that still can't see the light, allowing Christ into them, to his light to shine, so we should be allowing it to shine through us. Now, in this particular healing miracle of the blind man, Christ reveals himself in verse 5 as the light of the world, the one who brings light, or sight to the blind and both physical and spiritual. What happened to this blind man is like what happens to those who accept Christ as their Savior. Their spiritual sight has returned. I don't know if you remember when you became a Christian. Do you remember something happening? I know in my own experience for getting to know Jesus, something happened. Something clicked. That's what he's talking about here. I was blind, but now I see something that didn't exist in my life before. It was there, but I didn't understand it. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. And then when it came, Christ gave me this sight, this spiritual sight. Does that mean everything went smoothly from that point on? No. No. But there was something else there. So Christ pulls Christians out of this this, uh, ignorance, like the actual definition of ignorance, not understanding, unknowing, and sin into a light of his knowledge of what his heart wants, what he wants for us. This in turn enables Christians, us, to be a light in the world that we live in, letting our light shine before others. As Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16 says, let's throw that one up. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, in the first seven verses of this chapter, of chapter 9, we're given insight into the healing miracle itself of what Christ did. He heals a man born blind. Born blind in verse 1. And by spitting on the ground, making this mud in verse 6, he's sending the man to wash in this pool. And the remainder of that story, as it unravels, discusses the miracle from a perspective of the blind man's neighbors who didn't think he actually, that he was actually the blind man that they knew. And it also gives a perspective from the religious leaders, from the Pharisees. So the, the neighbors from 8 to 12, verses 8 to 12, and then the Pharisees from 13 to 34 are trying to figure out what's happening here. The most important historical note for this particular trial before the religious leaders, before the Sanhedrin, is the, the contradiction between the healing and its timing. You see, the Jewish leaders said that Jesus broke the Sabbath laws. So so forget the fact that he healed this guy. He broke some laws, some made-up laws. Why? What's what's the understanding of that? Well, he broke the Sabbath laws, first of all, by doing some type of miracle or whatever, but he broke the Sabbath laws by, get this, by kneading mud. Right? Right? You're going, what are you talking about? He made and kneaded mud. Now, if you, if you look into the oral Torah that was, that was written and passed down, it's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's called the, the Mishnah. And that particular is, is the very first written record collection of Jewish oral traditions. 
This is considered kneading, which is forbidden on the Sabbath. Forbidden. Kneading. So not only does he heal somebody, but he works. And he needs spit in mud. They're upset about it. You broke our traditions. You broke our laws. You don't need on the Sabbath. And I find that funny. Funny in a sad way. Because we do the same thing in churches. If we break a tradition, if we do something different, something we don't like, somebody sits in our spot, God forbid. And I'm not making funny, I'm just saying. <laughs> if somebody came and sat in your spot today, would you be okay with it? I hope so. I hope you would. I really, really, really hope you would be okay with that. But they broke this. And, and whether the miracle was good was not the point. Jesus broke the law, the law of not needing now, most of us would go, well, kneading dough. No, no, spit and mud. That's considered kneading. We got them. We got them. Mark, the band did a new song. Well, don't mess with our traditions. We don't know this song. We can't worship. Mark, you want me to wear a mask? No. We can't worship with a mask on. And as I said to one gentleman in the middle of the pandemic, then if you come to church buck naked next week, I'll pull all the rules right off the table. Because Jesus danced naked before the Lord. I can do this all day, friends. A mask will not stop you from worshiping. Your heart will stop you from worshiping. It has nothing to do with a mask or what you're wearing. Needless to say, we didn't have to worry about a naked man standing in the church worshiping that following Sunday. But if you're going to argue about something, know what you're talking about. Know what you're talking about. You see, this miracle is, is amazing, and Christ reveals something about his nature. You know what he does? He says he's the light of the world. The click. Well, I get it now. I get it now. When you first became a Christian. These verses, uh, and this other verse might also, uh, John 1, 5, it brings it to mind where it says, the light shines in the darkness and, and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's a reference of the incarnation of the Word, which is Jesus. This miracle also shows uh, Christ's healing of the blind man that it's actually literal. It's a demonstration of what Christ does spiritually when you come to him. And, it, and spiritually as he took on flesh. It reveals that he has come, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And in other words, God came to reveal himself to those who were blind, allowing them to see. And Christ heals all who were blinded in sin and ignorance and wish to come to him. They want to come to him. There's a story of a gentleman, he's 68 years old, and he was a man who was born blind. And he was able to have surgery to fix his eyes. And he said this, he said, I was so happy to see people to come out of 
the shadows. What a great explanation. And it doesn't mean that everything was easy after that. This gentleman, his name was Pierre Paul Thomas, he had to learn everything all over again because he could finally see what was happening. And when we come to Christ, we have to learn some things. And we continue to learn. And it doesn't mean we get it. We could be Christians for 20, 30 years. We're still learning. We're still moving forward. We still make mistakes. Things aren't always easy just because we saw the light. But it makes them more bearable, more understandable. There's hope. And in this way, coming to light, having our spiritual blindness healed by Christ, we should mirror the example of first the blind man in Scripture and this Pierre Paul Thomas and his experience. We should see the beauty of the gospel and the life of Christ clearly, even if we have to relearn how to live in light of it. Helen Keller, I, you know, you might not know her very well. Some of you may, but she was a writer and a disability rights advocate for, um, for years and years and years. And she was deaf and she was blind. And she said, I believe that God is in me as the sun is in the color and fragrance of a flower. Just stop and let me read that to you again. Because I don't know how it would be to experience um, blindness and deafness. But she says that I believe that God is in me as the sun is in the color and fragrance of a flower. Meaning, because Christ is in your life, you ooze his love. They can smell it. They can see it. They can feel it. And she says also, in light of my darkness, the voice, uh, sorry, he's a light in my darkness, a voice in my silence. Can you say that about your life? Can you say that? If not, make the change. If so, keep going. And despite, despite Helen Keller being able to see physical light, she acknowledges that Christ is her light and is her saving work. And in this we can identify with the spiritual dimension of Christ's miracle. Christ is, for all who believe, their light. For all of us who believe. And if Christ is the light of the world, piercing the darkness of sin and ignorance, then all of those who are in his church, all of those that are part believers, are healed to properly see God and to properly see the world that we're in. And that's where I think we, we make a mistake on both of those. We don't properly see who God is on a regular basis, and we don't see the world for what it is. We need to be careful. We've got to boil our belief system down. We've got to boil everything down and figure out how do we view God and how do we view this world? Because most in society who don't have a concept of God, who don't believe in God, are about selfishness. They're about ego. They're about them. They're not about others. They're not about serving, helping, loving, caring, listening. They're not about that. We need to think this through. What is our view? How do we see God? How does God see people in our lives that we're dealing with? Those people that are very difficult to deal with. The ones that are struggles. The ones that are grace growers. The ones 
<laughs> They're everywhere, no matter where you go. It's not just Christians that are grace growers. It's non-Christians. It's a lot of people, a lot of people out there. And in this, Christians should exemplify that compassion, that hope, that love. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. For though, but, but when you know someone is in darkness and doesn't understand, do we get mad and argue with them and fight with them, or do we show compassion and love and, and actually try to turn them into and see God's light? Do, do they see God's light through you? Remember, remember the, what, what um, Helen Keller said where she said, the sun is the color and fragrance of a flower? Do they feel it? Do they sense it? I mean, there are days when I don't think they sense it with me. There are days I don't feel so, so floral, to be honest with you, and so sunshiny light time. Except today, I'm very glowy. I feel it. Do I ever feel it? Whew. But that has nothing to do with Jesus. <laughs> but are there days? Yeah, there are days. Can we be better? Always, always. But above all of this, Christians, believers, church, we should have the same response that the man in the story said, where he said, Lord, in verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe. And what did he do? He worshipped him. He worshipped him. So practically, this means reaching out to those who are in darkness and showing them the light of Christ through our actions through our witness through who we are not forcing not pushing not trying to not some agenda just loving caring and trying to be that example so how how do we do that practically though like we we hear all this stuff about being like being an example give your testimony all that but what, what practically when it hits when it hits when the rubber hits the road what does that mean well i, I just got a few little examples that will help kind of stir it up get it moving we practically let our light shine by being interactive with people. People aren't going to know who Jesus is by your example if you ignore them, if you don't interact with them. I know sometimes, you know, the church used to push people away, and it was a thing. We've got to be welcoming. We've got to be inclusive. No matter what people have gone through, everyone, if you think of everyone in their Christian walk as going through different stages of their journey, okay? Some people get and go and run and boom, hit the destination, and that's just their personality. Other people take the long, scenic journey in their faith, in their walk, and they take, you know, the side streets and to get to where they need to go. Sometimes they go backwards, and they realize, whoops, wrong way, go this way. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been lost, but if you keep on the same road that's the wrong direction, it's still the wrong road. It's still the wrong direction. Sometimes you have to turn around and go back and start back a bit. And that's okay. But we beat ourselves up because we make a mistake, and then we're like, well, I can't go back. You don't know how many people who struggle with that concept of God. They think, well, I'm not good enough. I've gone down this path. He doesn't want me. I've done too many things where he's not going to forgive me. So I'm just going to keep going down this road without looking back and fixing it. 
without starting fresh, going, you know what, I'm lost, I'm turning around. Sometimes you got to turn around and you have to actually start over and be like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be different. And that's okay. So give yourself permission today, if you're struggling with that. Do a Yui. If you're going down the wrong path, do a U-turn. Come back. Take the road, different road. It's okay. God's okay with that. So be interactive with people and, and allow them to work out their salvation, to work out their belief system, to work out who God is. Allow them to do that. I have conversations daily with a, an atheist. I learn a lot, and so does he. That's a good thing. On a different path. And that's when the Holy Spirit will start to work in you and work in others. People will hurt you and they will offend you. God's got big shoulders. You don't have to take offense for him. He can handle it. He can handle it. If they offend you, my best advice is suck it up. You're going to be okay. People will disappoint you. But we disappointed Jesus. And he still came. And he still gave his life for us. So I think we can extend that to others a little bit, right? A little forgiveness. It's okay. Does that mean you're going to be best friends with everybody? No, you're not. But you can still be a light, still be an example. Secondly, listen to others. Listen to them. Let them talk. Be slow to anger. Quick to listen. Let them speak. Let them work it out. And in the end, say, well, I don't know if I see it that way, but here's how I see it. Nothing wrong with that. Shouldn't be a big battle. If it is, don't engage. No point. Is it hard? Yeah, it is, because I want to be right. I want to be right. But let Jesus do the work. Thirdly, speaking of Jesus, always point to him. If things in your life are not pointing to him, ask God to help in everything you do, point everything to Jesus. Not yourself, not somebody else, but to him. When you do that, you will see a difference. You will see a difference in you. You will see a difference in others and how they respond. But let it be in everything you do, pointing to Jesus. Are you going to make a mistake? Yeah, you're going to make a mistake. You're going to mess up. But it's, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus. And I keep saying this time and time again. I keep saying it every Sunday I speak. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about God. It's not about us. That's ego. That's the sinful nature. That's our selfishness getting in the way. Don't allow it to get in the way. We are here to be a light. And if, if we believe that God is that light, if we believe he's true, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-awesome, if we believe this, then that light in us should shine no matter what. It should shine no matter whether we're being persecuted, and I mean real persecution. I don't mean wear a mask and, you know, hey, 
I'm going to put some restrictions on you. I don't, I don't mean that. I'm talking literal. You can't meet for church. You can't believe in God, and we will tell you when, how, and what you can believe. That's a different story. When you're being persecuted, where they put a gun to your head and say, Jesus or not, are you going to take Jesus? When, when, when they force you to ignore everything about Jesus, that's persecution. When you're not allowed to believe in him, when you're not allowed to meet, are you able to still be a light in that setting. Because our belief in God, Jesus, followers of Christ, it's nothing if that light isn't as powerful as he said it is. He's given it to us. We have that in us, no matter what you're doing, whether it's at work and it's horrible and it just stinks and you're so tired of it and it's frustrating, whether it's at school whether it's at home, wherever it is, that light has to shine through because of the power of Jesus Christ. What Acts chapter 1, what did Jesus say? I'm going to send you something, someone. And I think sometimes we take the Holy Spirit for granted. I think we go, Father, Son, we get it. But Holy Spirit empowerment, I'm not talking swinging from the chandeliers and running down and being a weirdo. I'm talking about actual empowerment from Jesus where people's lives are changed. It's not just for selfishness. It's for everybody to see. Acts chapter 1, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and empower you. If you're truly empowered, and if this is true, if everything in this book is true, then no matter what you do, that light will shine through no matter what. Whether you're in prison, whether you're in a hole in the ground, doesn't matter where you are. Your light will shine through the darkness because the darkness can't control it. Whew, this is good stuff. Wow. If it's true, which it is, you have to allow yourself to be that vessel. Allow yourself to be used by God in every situation you're in. Is it difficult? Yes. But the more time you spend in Scripture, the more time you spend in prayer, the more time you ask God to give you the strength. And when you read Scripture, you'll notice throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit came upon Samson. The Spirit was filled with whoever, the king, whatever, the judge, whoever. Somebody got the Spirit. It was filled. But guess what? He was filled, but then there's other Scriptures that say he was taken away. The Spirit was taken away. So to me, and then I look into the New Testament and Jesus says, I'm going to give this to you, you're going to have it. He's going to fill you and empower you. But you can also grieve the Holy Spirit. So, so what logically, what I'm thinking here is that as you are filled, if you don't continually fill it, you won't have as much power because you won't utilize him. You won't ask him. You won't go to him. And I'm not a mystical person, but when I read Scripture and it says, filled empowered, they laid hands on and gave them part of the Spirit. Like When I hear those words, and then you can grieve the Spirit, and then I see Scripture where you know, God's quiet. The Spirit is quiet. It means we have to get into our Word. We have to get empowered regularly, daily, and ask for that so that we can move forward, so that we can do what God has asked us to do. Are you doing that? Because i tell you right now, if you're doing it, people will come. They'll come to church. They'll come to Jesus. You'll fill these little spots in here that are empty because people see it in your life. 
and they want it. What are you doing? And this is by no means a lecture. This is more of just an observation. What are we doing? Are we asking for that empowered Holy Spirit where everything we do and everything we touch, God is working? Man, that would be great if every day God was working through our lives because we're full of his spirit. And you might say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. I don't care, and neither does God. Ask forgiveness, move forward. Go on that path, the new path. Turn around if you're on the wrong one. Go back. I've told you this story a million times driving down the road. Michelle is usually 99.9% right. And that's not a joke. I'm serious. I'm driving, and we're in Oregon, in, or Washington, I don't know, somewhere by the water, who knows, and there's a beach. And, and I read up on this beach, and it said it was a highway. Part, parts of the time of the year, it's an actually a highway. You can drive on it. So I'm like, Honda Accord, let's go. I want to drive on a beach. We're driving, we're driving. And Michelle's like, I think we've gone far enough. I'm like, this is a highway. I could do this. And she's like, I think you should turn around. I'm like, no, no. I want to experience this in the full. Well, God had plans. I experienced it in the full. Because as we were going, you started to feel the car sink. Michelle's like, and so I punch it. Well, I'm going to get out of this sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is what? Sinking sand, yes, and I experienced it. Because as I'm driving, it's sinking. She's like, it's sinking. I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. Gear down. I'm a professional driver. I got this, baby. You just hang on tight. And woof, I go. I think I go. And then all of a sudden, the kids are in the back. They were younger. <laughs> and stuck on a highway. <laughs> made of sand. Michelle's like, I told you. I'm like, yes, I know, but I got bigger problems, my darling. And that's just how it was. It was just like that. I was like, it's okay, baby. We're stuck. We'll get out of this. No problem. It was just like that. I kid you not. I get out of the car. Yeah, we're stuck. So I could have turned around sooner when my wife, you know, if I want to use this illustration, could have been the voice of the Holy Spirit using her. And, you know, maybe, maybe. And I look at it, and I'm like, well, I'm a professional driver. I can get out of this. No, it's not moving. The sand doesn't, like, doesn't work in there. And so I'm like, well, I don't know what. So I, so I <laughs> just as I'm standing there looking at the car, I see the ocean past it. But it's closer than it was like a few minutes ago. Is that, is that getting closer, Shell? Yes, it is. I'm like, mm. you know it's not like snow, right? You know it's not like that. You could just, you, she's telling me, you, you don't speed through sinking sand. You stop, turn around. You know that, right? And I'm like, not like I do now. So I call 911. <laughs> I need help. I got a problem. I'm on your freeway on the beach, and I'm stuck. I need help. And she's like, oh, 
Oh. <laughs> now, when 911 is shocked of your situation, they hear a lot of things. They hear a lot of things. Like, as, as an emergency responder, I can hear a lot of things. It doesn't really phase me. Um, I don't usually go, oh, wow, okay. That, that doesn't, you don't walk up to a patient and they're like, I'm not feeling well. And you're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, you look horrible. You look brutal. I don't even know. We've never seen that. How do we fix this? You need a doctor, right? We, so she's like freak. She's on the phone going, yeah. And I'm like, and I just, need, I just need to tell you, the tide's coming in. Like it's coming in now. It was further away. It's now closer. Well, She's like, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Um, finally, she gets to me, and you're going to have to phone a tow truck. I'm like, yeah, I realize that. But who, who does this? There's one guy. Anyways, I phone him, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll come on down there. And he comes trucking on out there. He goes, well, might, I might be able to pull you out, but I'm probably going to rip your whole bumper and front end off. But, you know, we're going to have to make this happen. I'm like, well, can we do it without that? Like, can we... Because the tide's coming in. He goes, yeah, it sure is. He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, what would you do if, like, the tide comes in even more real quick here? He goes, yeah, you're, we're going to leave and your car's going to be underwater. And I'm like, so can we get it out of here? And eventually he does. And we were saved. It was great. But because I didn't turn around, because I thought I could just go the same direction and <laughs> hope for the best, we do that in our Christian walk. We keep on plugging the same way because we're just hoping for the best because we're either embarrassed or we don't want to listen or pride gets in the way or there's something we thought we knew but then we realize as we're in this situation that actually that's not accurate. It's pride. It's ego. My challenge for you today is if you're going in a direction that you think is the wrong way, Seek God, ask for help, and turn around, if he says so. It's not too late. It's never too late to turn around. If you're fine, you're going on the same path, and everything's good, that's fantastic. Let your light shine, no matter what. No matter what. Share your testimony, what God has done for your life. I can, in my life, if I hadn't followed Jesus at a young age, yeah, I made mistakes along the way, but if I hadn't actually turned my life over to him, I'd be in a different situation. I guarantee it, I promise you. And there's times I get a glimpse of what I would be like, and I'm thankful that I'm not. It's not too late. And so I asked you this morning, how do you let your light shine? Well, you're in, you be interactive with others. They'll let you down. They'll hurt you, but they'll also be awesome. We forget that part. Listen to others. Hear their story. Slow to anger, quick to listen, and always point to Jesus in everything you do. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you that we can come, we can gather, we can be with you, and, and Lord, as we continue to go throughout our day and our week, let us be that light. Let us be that example about what you are. Let's stop focusing on ourselves and be that light and shine it into others so that they will see who you really are. And we do that by loving you. We do that by love Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And we also do it by showing each other because Jesus said they'll know you by how you love each other. So let us do that. Let us be that. And when we fall, help us to get back up and make the changes and move forward.
Thank you for everything you're doing in your life and what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.